Welcome to the Impact Columbus podcast. It's season three, and this season we're focusing on the journey to and through early parenthood. Along the way, we're sharing content around pregnancy, delivery, and all things mom and baby. This month, we are joined by Dr. Dawn Daup Pandit with Daup Psychology Group to talk about moms and mental health. I will let Dr. Dawn introduce herself. Hi, I'm Dr. Dawn Daup Pandit, and I'm a psychologist, as you said, with Daup Psychology Group here in Columbus. I've been a psychologist for 12 years and have had my own practice for a little over seven years. I work with children and adults and have advanced training in infant and toddler mental health, as well as perinatal mental health. I am a mom to a four-year-old daughter and a 22-month-old son, and my husband and I also have our firstborn, um, who we love as well, an almost seven-year-old golden doodle dog. It's funny how those dogs become our our dogs after we have children. At first, <laughs> they, they are children, and then right. they become, yeah. Yeah. But well, they're good practice. They're first pr- good practice. Theoretically. Children. Although, I cannot put my children in a crate. It's very much fun. That's yeah. a good thing not to do. Right. So I am so excited to talk about this topic. It's one of my absolute favorites because I feel like we don't talk about it enough Agreed. in the maternal and health space, but um, I'm, I'm really excited to talk about maternal mental health with an expert such as yourself. Um, I think we, we talk a lot about preparing for a baby and preparing our house for the baby. We kind of forget to prepare ourselves mm-hmm. for the baby, um, and we don't really realize that, that moms are going to be going through all these changes too, and dads as well. Um, so can you kind of just give us a a high level run through of what we call PMADs, so our perinatal mood and anxiety disorders. Mm -hmm. So I agree that we definitely don't talk about this enough. Um, I think we're talking so much about preparing for the baby and we don't really think about preparing the parents sometimes. So with PMAD, which is perinatal, um, which stands for the period from conception through the first year of the baby's life. And then the mood, is that includes depression, bipolar disorder, and psychosis. Anxiety includes generalized anxiety disorder, panic attacks, obsessive compulsive disorder, and then post-traumatic stress disorder. And then disorder, the term itself means that it gets in the way of daily functioning. And this isn't something that happens to all parents by any means, but perinatal mood disorders affect one out of seven women and one out of 10 men. So a lot of people don't realize that men can have a perinatal mood disorder, but they have a lot of changes too. I mean, their life is also going to be very different after a baby comes. Um, They just don't get to wear the comfy clothes. (laughs) Right. I feel like they should get to wear the comfy clothes. The comfy clothes are good. Right. But my husband wears comfy clothes a lot, even when he you know, even though he was never pregnant. So if I get to wear maternity pants, he should too. Just <laughs> yeah. Saying. Excellent. Um, so I, I really like kind of looking at what normal changes women mm-hmm. can ex- expect to experience versus what might be a little bit concerning. Cause I think we have this picture of what postpartum depression or baby blues or whatever looks like. Mm-hmm. And, and I know now as a, a mom and as somebody who's got some experience in this, this world, that that's not always what it looks like. So if you can kind of run us through, like, what are the changes that we would expect that would be normal versus what's kind of like a concerning thing to look for? Absolutely. So 
I think it is really hard because there are a lot of changes that happen in pregnancy and shortly after having a baby. And typical things that we'll see with pregnancy include having a mood that is labile, meaning that it, you know, kind of changes back and forth some, um, or you may get teary-eyed, but not having a mood that's gloomy, irritable, agitated, or even raging. And that's something that we can, we are more likely to see with depression or anxiety. Self-esteem is generally unchanged with pregnancy, but with depression, it can become low and a person may experience feelings of guilt. With pregnancy, sleep is often an issue because you need to go to the bathroom more or because you have heartburn, which awakens you. With a new baby, moms aren't sleeping much because the baby isn't sleeping or is only sleeping if they're being held, which happened to me with my firstborn for a long time. Um, But with depression, a mom may have trouble falling or staying asleep. When, um, When pregnant, there's usually not suicidal ideation or intent, but with depression, that might be something that a mom is experiencing. Um... With pregnancy, you may struggle with energy, but usually rest will restore that energy level, whereas with depression, it doesn't. And with pregnancy or with being a new mom, usually there is still pleasure and joy, um, anticipation, and then an appropriate amount of worry. With depression, they may struggle to find pleasure or joy in things. With pregnancy, the appetite typically increases, although sometimes eating is a challenge due to nausea. As a new mom, moms are often usually hungry but may struggle to find time to eat. Um, If they're nursing, they may feel hungry a lot and just can't find enough time to eat. But with depression, there's often a dysregulation of appetite. So now baby blues, which is something we hear about a lot. So that's common shortly after a woman gives birth, and that affects about 60 to 80% of new moms. So it's due to the hormone fluctuation at the time of birth and that acute sleep deprivation. It usually lasts between two days and two weeks after birth and usually peaks about three to five days after delivery. Symptoms of that include tearfulness and reactivity and exhaustion. And these mothers still are predominantly happy and their self-esteem remains unchanged. And I think really that's one of those key things that, especially when you're pregnant or as a new mom, if you're feeling that your self-esteem isn't where it once was, um, or you're really not having joy um, or just finding any enjoyment in having that baby or being pregnant, that's where it may be a little bit more concerning. But if you're having tearfulness moments, but you still are really enjoying your baby most of the time, maybe not everything, right? Um, then, then it's probably more normal yeah. sorts of changes. Um, Now, depressive symptoms in new moms, they may present as feeling overwhelmed and feeling like you can't cope, having a lack of feelings or difficulty connecting towards your child can be a sign of depression, Um, having an inability to take care of yourself or your family. And that's different from feeling like you don't have time to take care of of everyone and Mm -hmm. everything. Um, which I know we've talked about before that is new moms, like you want to do it all. Um, you said earlier that you want to be a rock star mom Mm -hmm. and get everything done. And there's just not, there's just not time. There's just not time to do it, but that's pretty normal. Um, 
with new moms who are struggling with depression, you may have isolation or withdrawal, um, some irritability. You may just be like, this just doesn't feel like me. Um, you could also have an increase in some somatic symptoms like uh, GI distress or headaches and back pain. Some moms may have intrusive and repetitive thoughts, um, usually related to harm coming to the baby, um, that what if thinking. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of moms will have that early on. Um, That's a pretty protective factor. Um, But as long as they're fleeting, as long as those go away, they tend to not be really concerning. It's when they linger that they may cause a great deal of guilt and shame. Um, the mom may be horrified by these thoughts. They may have hypervigilance and want to take precautions and that's okay. Um, but if they're really concerned about those thoughts, then that's where they may want to at least talk with someone about Mm -hmm. getting help. Um, but it's important to remember that thoughts don't mean actions. So just because you have a thought doesn't mean that you're actually going to do something to harm your baby. And it doesn't mean that harm is going to come to your baby from someone else. Mm. Now, if a parent has thoughts of harming their child or of harm coming to their child um, and they find that it's frightening or that it's odd, then they really do need to see a provider. Um, Although it's rare, if they have delusional beliefs about their baby or thoughts of harming their baby and it seems reasonable to them, that's that's when they need to see someone immediately. So either they need to contact their provider um, or their baby's doctor, or they may even need to go to the ER. I think that's a really big key. And and we had talked before about those intrusive thoughts. And I don't think I was prepared for that Mm -hmm. before I had kids. And I, I mean, I had some like lingering anxiety stuff before I had kids, but then something about that just kicked it into overdrive. And I'd heard that before that Mm -hmm. that was like a thing that happens postpartum. So that was helpful to know that that was coming Mm -hmm. and that it was almost like my brain was trying to work out, okay, what are all the possible ways this baby could get harmed in this house or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, and then like, okay, I'm not going to put them next to the fireplace because they might fall off or I'm not going to do this, that, or the other, or I don't want to leave them on the floor because the dog might accidentally stop. Like all those things. And it was just my brain working in overtime, trying to figure out how to protect this baby. I think the key that you had there about if it's something that you're worried might happen to them versus it's something you're afraid you might do to them. Mm -hmm. I think that was a really helpful key to hear. Well, and I think, so for me as a mom, with both of my kids, those first weeks and months, a lot of times when they were sleeping and I was going to bed, like I would put my hand on their chest Mm -hmm. and just wanted to make sure that they were breathing because I think there is that fear, but it wasn't keeping me up at night. I would still then, I would check them quickly and then I could go to bed and I would feel secured that they were doing okay. And so it's that sort of thing is where it's fleeting. It's when it's keeping you up at night that then it might be a little bit more concerning. Yeah. As you're talking about it, like the specific things that I used to like be really concerned about are coming back in my head. I'm not going to say them because I don't (laughs) want to put them into other people's brains, but they just felt so visceral to me and so Mm -hmm. real. Um, it's really reassuring to hear that like, okay, that's okay. They did go away. They were fleeting. There weren't things that I was concerned I was going to do to my child, but it just makes me feel so much more normal. Like hearing well, that that's a thing. Yeah. There, well, and I think, you know, you're going through life thinking everything's okay. And then this baby comes in the world and suddenly 
that piece of paper on the table is terrifying. That could hurt your baby. Right. <laughs> because you're just suddenly afraid of anything and everything. Yeah. Because babies are so helpless and it's just, all you. Like your level of responsibility just grows tremendously. Yeah. Um, and I think as a parent, you know, I knew all these things about babies and kids and then suddenly I felt like I knew nothing. Yeah. Because you're just not – you just can't fully prepare – to have a baby. No, someone said once, it's like your body grows another heart and then that heart walks around in the world. Yes. And then you have to make sure that nothing happens to it. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of things out there that can happen. And that's that's overwhelming. And I think right. when you kind of were talking about overwhelm earlier, I think that's how a lot of moms experience mm-hmm. it because it is really overwhelming. Um, but just kind of having that line between it can be overwhelming and you can still deal mm-hmm. versus it can be overwhelming and you just kind of can't. Well, and I think also... Until you bring that baby home and and you have stopped sleeping because you're taking care of that baby, you really don't know how tired you are. I mean, so the, yeah. the meme that I love is, I wish I was as tired as I thought I was before I had kids. Yeah. Um, because you I, – I, I did not know a level of tired until yeah. I had kids. Like I yeah. didn't know that level existed. And that lack of sleep – can really do a number on yeah on just your thoughts and yeah I remember the first like couple days where I got a stretch of actual sleep after my kiddo kind of grew out of that at more than a year old mm-hmm. so like let's just put that yeah. out in the world um I felt like a superhero because I was like oh my god my brain is working again this yeah. is great and then I realized that's just how people normally feel Yes. And I had just been in that deprivation point for so long, and it really did do a number to my mental health. Like, it was no bueno for a very long time. Well, the first time that I sent a text to a friend and said, oh, my gosh, I just got five hours sleep. I feel amazing. Yeah. Like, I could do anything right now. Five hours? Really? That's all I needed. (laughs) Or back in my old life, like, that would be like, oh, my God, I feel like crap for the rest of the day. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Oh, my God. I love it. But um, yes. So I also wanted to mention that for some moms, things that happen related to labor or delivery can be traumatic. Mm -hmm. And for these moms, they may experience intense fear, helplessness, loss of control or horror. Um, And so it's important for them to reach out if they have any of those feelings. And also knowing that what might feel traumatic for one mom may not feel traumatic for another. And that's totally okay. Mm -hmm. I think when we we think about these traumas, there's, you know, big T traumas, like, okay, I know some of these big ones Mm -hmm. and those things didn't happen to me, then maybe necessarily like I didn't have trauma, but there could be kind of like those little T traumas too, that, you know, maybe as you're processing your experience, you know, bringing a human being into the world, maybe it's different from what you were expecting. And and that is really hard for you. So I think that's helpful. Yeah. I mean, for some moms, it's, you know, if they weren't even, if they weren't able to follow the birth plan that they had hoped for, or if they didn't have the, the feelings that they thought they would have when they had that baby, it doesn't mean that they, that things still didn't go okay, Mm -hmm. but it might be traumatic for that mom and that's okay. And, but being able to recognize that and to reach out to get some, some help, to process that can be really helpful for that mom and really then help them not only just to live their better life, but also to help them bond with their baby. Yes. I think, I think that really hits at my next question. So, um, understanding that reaching out for help doesn't necessarily mean there's anything wrong with you, Mm -hmm. but it really helps you be the best mom that you can be. And I think that gives moms permission to ask for help. So, kind of thinking about that too. 
you know, mom's watching this, listening to this, just loving it, vibing on all the things, um, realizes, okay, I think I'm in that category that maybe kind of needs, needs some help. Um, who would you recommend she reach out to? Like who, where's your first stop there? Well, if a mom feels comfortable just contacting a master's level therapist or a psychologist directly, then I think she absolutely should. You don't, most mental health providers don't require a physician's referral. So a mom can just call someone who works in the mental health field and make an appointment if they want to do that. But they can also reach out to their OBGYN or their primary care doctor or even their child's pediatrician. I mean, here in town, we have so many fantastic doctors. And I think most of them, if not all of them, know who many of our mental health providers are. And so they try to do a really good job of keeping those lists as current as possible and um, being able to give those resources to the moms when when they're asked. And so I think those I mean, I I think that that's where you start. Also, we are fortunate here in town to have a perinatal mental wellness support group that meets twice a month at Family Service. And the women who lead that are just fantastic therapists here in town. And, um, and, And I think the moms who have attended that have really appreciated that support. So therapy and support groups can be really helpful in treating perinatal mood disorders. And then medications can play an important role. And so a physician can prescribe those medications. And um, I think the majority of the OBGYNs in town um, or the the primary care doctors feel comfortable providing that, um, at least on a, on a basic level, if, that, if that's needed. I appreciate that we have a lot of great um, therapy resources and support groups for these moms. Uh, and I know some moms might also need medication or might prefer just to do medication. So if you can kind of speak about how they would access that, that'd be really helpful. Well, so for medications, um, most moms would be able to talk with their OBGYN or their primary care doctor about getting on a medication, even talking with their child's pediatrician. um, If that was somebody different, that could also be a helpful resource. I think it's also really important that if a mom or a, a pregnant woman is on medication that she doesn't just stop that immediately. Mm -hmm. I think we hear so much that you shouldn't be on any medications when you're pregnant, but sometimes that can be really harmful for uh, a woman's mental health. So I think it's really important if you're on medication and you find out you're pregnant that you talk to your doctor first about if the medications you are on are safe. And if not, then your doctor can help get you on a medication that is safe for you and for the baby. Mm -hmm. Um, Because, you know, we want we want the babies to be safe, but we want the moms to be safe too. So stopping a medication without the help of a physician or having support from a mental health professional really puts a mom at risk for more perinatal mood disorders. And there are a lot of medications out there that are safe to take while pregnant or nursing. Okay. Thank you. I think um, a lot of new moms are are hesitant to reach out for help because they're scared about maybe even admitting that they have an issue. And and once you get so far into that rabbit hole of maybe depression or anxiety, it's really hard, I think, to reach out. And one of the the barriers, I think, for a lot of people is just not knowing what to expect in that experience. So we've all seen people go to therapy on TV and like what that looks like. But um, if you kind of like walk us through, you know, she's reached out, she's made an appointment, like what's going to happen from that point? Um, that would be really helpful. So 
So as a mom, I think if you, you know, if, if you cold call a therapist or a psychologist, they're going to just walk you through, you know, what they could, what they could do, which is providing, you know, some type of therapy. The idea with therapy is to give moms a safe place to talk about their feelings and their thoughts and to, to not feel judged in that space. And so mental health providers help by teaching coping skills and, um, giving moms and, and possibly even their partners the tools to navigate and to then decrease the the symptoms related to whatever the mood issues, mood or anxiety issues were happening. Physicians can provide the medications, uh, making sure that they're ones that are safe for mom and baby. And um, so, so that's what physicians do. And so generally um, for moms that really want both therapy and medication, then the mental health provider and the physician can work together with that. And, um, they certainly are able to do that. The support groups are really nice because they can give moms just a non-judgmental place to talk about their feelings and their thoughts and to share their experiences with other moms. But it's different than getting into some of those, um, like online places where you have to be careful because, uh, Sometimes people kind of go down a, a dark rabbit hole. And with a support group, there are still mental health professionals that can give some guidance and to help keep the space um, just, I guess, more uplifting and positive to give moms hope. Yeah. Um, and so I think that's a really important component because I think hope is really important. Yeah. I think sometimes with those online support groups, it gives you the... And I don't want to down online support groups. If that's what you have, that's great. But sometimes I think that you can get really siloed advice. Mm -hmm. And I think, um, you know, if you don't fit in exactly with the mold of everyone else, it's hard to to see yourself in that group. So I think it's important to have someone who's moderating that. Yeah. And that's where, I mean, so there are certainly some online support groups. So such through like PSI, which is um, Postpartum Support International, but they have those support groups continue to have a mental health professional that helps lead that support group. And yeah. so sometimes there's a specific topic that they may talk about, um, or they're just able to keep the group from heading down a path that might be hurtful rather than helpful. Absolutely. Love it. So one question I get sometimes is about, it's not so much the mom who is reaching out for help, but maybe a partner or the grandparents are really starting to notice these things. Um, I know, you know, sometimes moms, we just get so caught up in the like day to day, keeping this human child alive that we might not see mm -hmm. the additional things. So I don't know if you had any helpful tips for those partners or grandparents to, to help that mom reach out for help. So absolutely. I think family members can start by just asking a mom what she needs. I think sometimes people forget to do that and, Hopefully as a mom, if someone asks you that, you can really be honest and say, this is what I need. I need you to do my laundry or I need you to hold this baby so I can sleep for 30 minutes. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think that's also really important that moms know if someone asks you what you need, like tell them, be honest. Have a list going. Yes. All the things. <laughs> great. You're here. Dry cleaning would be great. These are the things that right. I need you yeah. to do. 
So sometimes moms don't recognize the symptoms of postpartum depression or anxiety, but their partners or other families may notice those things first. And sometimes it can be hard to convince a mom um, that what they're feeling isn't normal because you're just living in it day to day. And so you just may not always recognize that. So, but they need to encourage the mom to get help and they can go with the mom to the doctor or to any mental health appointments if she's willing to do that. Um, A lot of mental health providers, me included, encourage family members to participate if the mom's willing because I think it helps them to learn how to support that mom and um, to better understand what her feelings are and what feelings are normal and what feelings are okay and what feelings are safe because I think – Oftentimes people just get really scared mm-hmm. and is are these safe feelings. Sometimes those feelings are safe, but they just need a professional to really explain what they mean. Um, I think also family members can reach out to a physician or mental health providers directly as well. And this is a little bit more complicated because if they don't have the mother's permission, then the providers can't tell the family members anything. So they wouldn't even be able to confirm that they knew the mom, but that doesn't mean that the family member still can't give information to the providers. So as a family member, you could always contact a provider if you couldn't convince the mom and say, I'm really concerned and these are the concerns that I'm having. And then the provider can discreetly talk with the mom about that the next time that they are together. If you had one piece of advice for moms struggling with their mental health, what would it be and why? So I would say that that it would be this. So having a baby is a time of receiving and moms really need to allow themselves to ask for help and to seek out any and all support that they can from family members, friends, coworkers, churches, health practitioners, and support groups. Ask for help and do that as soon as you think you need it so that you can enjoy and bond with your baby and become the mom that you want to be. Well, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. I think this information is very important for moms to know. Uh, We will go ahead and link your email address in the show notes so people can get a hold of you if they have further questions about perinatal mood disorder. Um, And again, we just really appreciate you. Absolutely. Thanks, Patty. This was a lot of fun. And um, yeah, I just, like you, I just really want to help moms and babies. Make it happen. (laughs) 